Taylor Wilkie, and today uh, my guest is the Reverend Tanya Watt. She's the Assistant Rector at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. She's here today today to talk about Season 4, Episode 8 of Futurama, Godfellas. Yay! Welcome, Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to get to talk to you about one of my favorite shows and one of my favorite episodes of one of my favorite shows. This is probably one of my favorite episodes of Futurama as well. And Futurama is my favorite show also. I noticed that you do have a Planet Express sticker on the back of your car. I do. So, yeah, your Futurama cred is pretty high. It is pretty high. Actually, I was very disappointed. I bought that bumper (laughs) sticker, and it's just a regular Planet Express sticker. And then I saw somebody with a Zap Brannigan sticker on the back of their Subaru Outback. And it says, says, it's built like a steakhouse, but it handles like a bistro. And I was like, I failed my entire life. Like, I, I was trained for this moment forever, and I dropped the ball. Because I didn't know that this sticker existed and it needs to go on the back of my car. Also, Zat Brannigan is not exactly, I mean, it's, he's not a hero. <laughs> like, you don't necessarily want to be driving. Planet Express is so much cooler, but I do love the, I, yeah, I do love it. Mm. Props to whoever found that sticker. That's amazing. Absolutely. Or whoever made it. Yeah. Yeah. Link in the description. Not really. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> So for those who aren't are uninitiated, um, well, I'm just going to run down a quick synopsis of the episode. This episode of Futurama revolves around, obviously, the crew of the Planet Express ship. While trying to take a nap during a space battle with space pirates, uh, Bender finds himself inside of one of the torpedo tubes because it's quiet in there. Um, also, one of the best gags in the show is when he takes out the earplugs and then the box of ears. <laughs> so much. So many tangents will happen. In this episode, I cannot wait. And uh, he gets shot out of the tube, and uh, because the Planet Express ship was going at maximum speed at the time, he was moving faster than the speed that the ship can move. Uh, therefore, the ship can never catch him. Uh, and then Bender spends the rest of the episode drifting through space, and Fry and Leela spend the rest of the episode looking for Bender uh, in various ways. Would you agree that's the. Uh... Yes. Excellent synopsis. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I actually spent most of my... One summer, I, I, I love Futurama so much. And I guess this is going to be another tangent. <laughs> but I spent the summer decoding all of the alien languages 
in the show. Are you serious? Yeah, I own all the DVDs, and I went through, and I have no, there's a notebook that exists somewhere that has the alien language written down by me and what what it says underneath. Are you serious? Oh, I've yeah. never heard of this before. Oh, like yeah. I don't know if this exists anywhere else. Yeah, the the alien language actually makes it, it's actually a thing. The 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 writers actually I had no made idea. It actually, yeah, and you can uh, in season one, episode one, the Space Pilot three thousand. There's a sign for slurm, and the, and the, you see it in English, and it says drink. It says drink slurm. Uh-huh. Then you see the sign later written in an alien language, and the people who watch the show <laughs> were able to grab those two snippets and decode the entire language from the, from the word from the phrase drink slurm. I feel like such a loser. I had no idea that this existed. Oh yeah. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. But, but anyway, we're not here to talk about everything I know about also, Futurama. Also, slurm is its own amazing thing in Futurama. It's, it's highly addictive. Highly addictive and disgusting and highly addictive. I mean, comes from a horse behind. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. I mean, we drink milk. Milk comes from a cow's behind. Okay, now really, are we going to go come there? From, uh, honey comes from a bee's behind. I don't even know what to say to that. It's a slug. It's a queen's. I, never mind. I don't even know what to say to that. You're right. We need to focus up because if we. Don't focus up. <laughs> this is just going to be just us quoting Futurama to each other for 45 minutes. I love it. Okay. And this Which is Teacher Theology, doing. not quote Futurama. Today, it is so. true. Okay. Theology. Yes. We're going now. Bam. Okay. Focus. <laughs> um, so let's break down uh, pretty much uh, the way that I see this. We're going to break down the episode into two parts. Uh, we're going to talk about, first we're going to talk about Bender and his experience floating through space. And then we're going to talk about Fry's experiences looking for Bender, searching out ways to find Bender without using technology. Right. Um, so we'll start with Bender. Um, so Bender gets shot out of the tube. He's floating through space. He encounters an asteroid field. Uh, and eventually a piece of rock sticks to him and he meets the Shrimpkins for the first time. Shrimpkins leave their asteroid, come onto his... Uh, <laughs> No, you all can't see this, but Taylor is chest. pointing to his belly chest. and chest. Yes, that is the area in which the Shrimpkins yeah, <laughs> hear his, themselves uh, to Bender. Yeah, his, <laughs> yes. yeah, his, his, bo- his, his chest cavity. Because um, it's not like a body. It's, like, it's not like upper body. I don't know. Anyway. Because um, it doesn't have a waist. That's the problem. That's why I'm having trouble saying upper body. Um, although they do do a thing where he like starts looking down. Have you, I don't know if you noticed this. But like he's always kind of look, leaning forward, yeah, with his head looking down, and yeah. Bender doesn't have a neck to look, like to look down, and it's like a weird. Did they thing. have to give him like an extension. They had to give him like, an extension of a neck. And they also give him like the super microscopic focusing eyes that like come out of his head. And oh, <laughs> I love the eyes. Yeah. I love the eyes. Even <laughs> like, the pilot, he's like, like, "Don't look." He's like, "I'm not looking," and they come out of his eye. <laughs> anyway, so he meets the, uh, so he meets the Shrimpkins. Yes. And he reaches down and he picks up one of the Shrimpkins, puts him on his visor, um, which is really interesting to me because from our perspective, we know what Bender looks like as a whole. The Shrimpkins, and this is something I just realized, would have only experienced his booming voice and knew that they're on him or that they knew they're on something, but they would never get this full picture of what Bender right. actually looks like. Yeah. And as far as Malachi knows, God is just two giant yellow eyes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, As we all picture God. Absolutely. Two terrifying giant yellow eyes. <laughs> so he meets Malachi. 
uh, and he kind of picks him as a prophet figure. Yeah, I think. and so and let's also just name here, like when they first land on Bender's torso area. Torso, that's the one. That's we'll the word say, I was looking we'll for. We'll just use torso. So a wasteless torso. So when they are on his torso, there's actually a religious figure that says, "Behold, this is the new Lord," mm. or "This is the Lord," or whatever. And Bender does not pick the religious guy mm. up. He picks up this random guy. Mm. So, yeah, which is also kind of cool. When we were talking about is Malachi a Moses figure? Mm. Yeah. So, like, there's all of these. There are other religious figures in the community. There's mm. clearly a priest guy. Yeah. And Bender does not choose him. It is this other normal, ordinary guy. Mm. It, it seems to me that that's generally a, once again, you know, I'm a lover, not an expert. And uh, uh, it seems to me that in the Bible, it seems as though God usually picks the random person over the yeah the divine person to carry his message. Would you agree on yeah. that? Why do you think that is? Do you ever think man in, in general, and I might not be asking the question the right way, but why, <laughs> why does God seem to pick the lay person rather than the clergy when he wants to speak to the people? You will have to ask God. Um, for the proper and for the right answer, I can tell okay. you what I think, though. Yes. So I mean, there's it's this fascinating thing that's repeated throughout the Bible, and both in the Old and New Testament, we see that. I mean, when Jesus calls the disciples, there are religious figures. They're not who Jesus calls. Mm. Um, you know, he's calling fishermen, and but we see that in the Old Testament, we mm -hmm. see that it's the ordinary person who's called, mm. the ordinary. Um, not so there's all of these you know the strong son or the brilliant son and instead it's the guy that's out in the field with the sheep. Mm -hmm. so we see this throughout the bible where ordinary people are called all the time we see mm -hmm. jesus calling ordinary disciples people who are fishermen so there are religious figures there are priests they're not who jesus calls and we mm -hmm. see this in the old testament too all the time it's it's normal people people who say they're not worthy the prophets are often called and they are overwhelmed and feel completely unworthy and god calls them anyway and says you're going to do this work anyway but even king david um so samuel is like hey jesse one of your sons is going to be king and all of the sons are paraded in front of him and he's like no not this guy not this guy not this guy don't you have any other sons and then this shepherd is called in from the field and he's like yeah that's the guy so it's the guy that you least expect it's mm -hmm. these sort of completely unexpected um people that are the ones that are often chosen so yes yeah, so Bender does not choose the religious dude. Mm. <laughs> Bender takes his robot hand and just picks up a random person, and it's Malachi. And that happens to be the person with whom Bender is going to communicate with his terrifying yellow god eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. They always say that Futurama had the most overqualified writing staff in the history of cartoons. Because I think like eight of them had doctorates in like mathematics and physics. So insane. <laughs> and personally, I think that's why the show is so great because the, the writers are just so smart, and a lot of the jokes are like very uh, yes, they're very highbrow jokes. They are, and it's like 
Yes, and I every time I watch them, I laugh at them all over again. Mm. And every time I watch an episode, if it's like the fifth time I've seen it, it is still funny and still good. These mm. episodes are just so good. They are. Yeah. They anyway, age very well. They really do. Um, okay, so moving yeah, on. Yeah, I a think bit. that we can just draw a big heart around Futurama for both yeah. of us. Like we just heart. Ten Futurama. out of ten would recommend. <laughs> Um, As the hip kids say. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so then, next time we see Bender in the episode, there is a brewery that has been built. Uh, they brew Lord Wiser, or is it God Wiser? I think it's Lord Wiser. I remember. It's Lord Wiser, and I'm like, that's a really good joke. And that is literally the one commandment. Yeah, God needs booze. Yeah. Um, and he does because he needs he needs alcohol to charge his batteries, and that's the whole. Yeah, like, no, God needs booze to live. Like, Bender needs booze to live. But also, um, super weird, because as I was watching it, I was like, what would have happened if Bender didn't have the Shrumpkins to make booze for him then? Like He would would have eventually gotten his, like, rust shadow, his rust (laughs) five o'clock shadow that he gets when he's sober. And then he would have just powered off, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah, he was literally able to survive Mm -hmm. because of the booze that the Shrumpkins... Although... Bender's head survived for a couple of thousand years, for, a, th- right. for a little over a thousand years in, in Roswell, You're in the right. desert around Roswell, New Mexico, right. because he because they hit a shovel in the ground and he goes, ow! And then, he, and then they said, how was it living in a hole? It's like, it was pretty great until you guys showed up. Uh, anyway. I feel like we're like playing inside ball here because yes, it's so true that, and it's hysterical that he's able to live in Roswell for 2,000 years until they find him again. His yeah. head, yeah. Anyway. anyway. Okay, so we meet So we meet, uh, we meet. Malachi again. Uh, Bender reaches down, picks up Malachi, puts him on his visor. He he makes a, He asks him, like, you know, did, Malachi's now missing an arm. Yeah. And Bender says, hey, did you cut your arm off as a joke? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said as no. As one would do. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, Malachi says, no, I was maimed building the great brewery for the Metal Lord. Um, just like many of our other uh, <laughs> other of your believers have done, uh, have been, and uh, and you know, and now that the brewery's there, they're always, now they have organized crime and they need help. <laughs> and God, and, and he says, "You need to help us." And, and Bender reluctantly says, uh, "Okay, fine." And then they go through um, what they all need and stuff. But you, before we sat down, you said you had something particularly to say about how Bender goes about giving everybody what they want and how it doesn't actually work out. Yeah, there's this really interesting sort of thing that I was thinking about with Marcionism. Um, So Marcion was um, a Christian who ended up being excommunicated for heresy. His perspective was that the Old Testament and New Testament gods could not be the same God. Mm. Because the Old Testament God, there's all these terrible things that happen. There are these plagues and floods and wars and... Um, smiting and of course in the New Testament we get Jesus who is about love God and love your neighbor and and it is heretical for many reasons not least Mm. of which is that it completely dissociates Jesus from his Jewish heritage that this is the Jewish Messiah Mm -hmm. so it's but it's an interesting question and I think it's something that people even ask about or wonder about today like the Old Testament can feel so brutal and it can feel really um, cruel and we wonder what's going on in the Old Testament. And when we read the New Testament, it can feel like a real discontinuity between 
the God that we read about in one and the God that we read about in the other. Mm. And so it's interesting because Bender and his actions, so he's moved by the plight mm. of the Shrimpkins at one point and he starts to cry as a robot would do. And so, but as he cries, he floods the area and it's this terrifying situation. So mm. he weeps and a flood happens or people are praying for sun and he says, I can do that. And so, but then he turns the sunlight onto them and it like burns up everything because the sun is too intense mm. or um, they pray for wealth and he flips a dime and it crushes a village. <laughs> so it's like, and at one point Malachi is even like, at one point he's like, Malachi is like, there's infidels on your backside. Mm. They say that you're not answering their prayers and they don't think that you exist. And he's like, of course, of course, I can't answer their prayers. They're on my backside and I can't hear them. But this whole idea of, um, and you know, Malachi is like, smite someone who deserves it for once. Mm. <laughs> and so it's like this idea of, is the Old Testament God and the New Testament God the same God? And it can feel, people wonder that all the time. And it's important because, first of all, when we imagine that these are different kinds of gods, then we imagine that um, the Old Testament doesn't have anything to do with our life right now. Mm. And instead, we it's incredibly important that Jesus is located in the line of Jesse. Jesus is located as an ancestor of King David. Mm. And that is incredibly important for us in our understanding of Jesus as the Messiah. And the other thing is that we... Um, have decontextualized the Old Testament in some ways. There's always a word of life, always something new that's being spoken to us in our scripture. Mm -hmm. And when we read the Old Testament as just a historical description of what God did, we actually really miss the point of this narrative of people with whom God is in covenant. And what does it look like to be in covenant with God? How is God faithful even when we're not faithful? How um, does God continue to call us back again and again? So there are some things that we miss when we separate um, the Old and New Testament God when we imagine that they're different. Mm. But it's so anyway, it was interesting to me because I was like, this is very much like what people imagine the Old Testament God to be like. Bender cries and everything floods and, yeah. you know, he turns his visor to them and the sun scorches the entire field and he, and you know, and I, I do love when Malachi was like, smite someone who deserves it for once, mm. <laughs> because it it feels like there are all of these brutal things that are happening. And so this sort of question of who is God and how does God work, I think it's an interesting thing because for the Shrimpkins, their experience of God is this like terrifying yeah. <laughs> thing that, you know, um, that all of these all of these calamities are constantly coming from God, from Bender God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The metal lord. The metal lord. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, um, like you said, uh, the infidels on Bender's backside send <laughs> nuclear warheads to the front, and they and the people on the front send nuclear warheads to the back, and then everyone dies. Um, uh, and then, then Bender is uh, forced to float alone through space again until he eventually encounters a... Uh, uh, a star system or a cluster or a galaxy or something, whatever it is, and it's signaling in binary, and Bender yells out to it, but I'm not sure how that works because sound doesn't travel through space. <laughs> so, 
I'm not sure exactly how he was able to do that, but he did, and the entity now speaks English, and he brings him in, and Bender and him are hanging out, and Bender says, realizes that, you know, asks him, like, how long have you been? He says, I've always been. And Bender says, are you God? And he says, well, I don't think so. And he's like, well, maybe you're what's left over from a computer that collided with God. And the thing says, maybe. Yeah. That's yeah. possible. So I guess my question for you on on that point is, um, what what is your opinion on this representation of God? And are there any other representations in pop culture uh, that you liked? So pretty much, what are your thoughts on this God <laughs> character that we meet? And what other God representations do you particularly like? So it's really interesting because first, and this is not um, a criticism at all. It's just interesting that this galaxy is called him. Mm. Um, because it's a galaxy or a star cluster or a mm. something. So it's genderless. Yeah. Now, I mean, the voice has a male voice, mm. but it, it is interesting because God is not a gender. Mm. We know that Jesus is the son of God. So Jesus Christ being the son being, is male. But aside from that, the cosmology of the Greeks presumed that all life originated from the man. And so when they thought of God as creator, of course, they thought of God as father it was presumed that women didn't have anything to do with creation except being a vessel. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of creator was masculine because of this particular cosmology. Um, but the creator actually doesn't have a gender, right? So, um, and the Holy Spirit, I've heard many people, and it's resonated with me before, where people have called the Holy Spirit she, but actually, mm. the Holy Spirit is also not gendered. So, for example, when I say the creed, I'll say, um, who proceeds from the Father and the Son instead of he proceeds from the Father and the Son for the Holy Spirit. There's a, um, some gendered language that's really interesting. So, first of all, I am always interested in sort of the ways that we think of God. When I was a kid, I actually imagined God as like the great-grandfather in the sky. Okay. Um, but I was a military kid, so the great grandfather had kind of a crew cut, like a, <laughs> and then like a, but was like this very benevolent great grandfather in the sky. Mm. And of course, that's not really God. Um, but it's easy for us to sort of wrap our minds around, like we want there to be something that we can sort of think of. But, but I like the idea of. God, first of all, I mean, the galaxy, star system, whatever that Bender encounters is really beautiful. And it actually says to him, to Bender, um, I do have compassion for every living thing, which is also interesting because Bender, of course, is a robot and not a living thing. And yet that compassion mm -hmm. um, extends beyond yeah. the sort of language that we have. So that's the other cool thing is that is that we, we run into the limits of language when we try to describe God. We're... There, we don't have the words that are kind of amazing or great or cool enough or phenomenal enough to describe God. Mm. And we kind of have this thing and this experience that Bender has too, where he's, where, so he's floating into this galaxy and the galaxy says, I do have compassion for every living thing. And there is Bender, a robot who also receives compassion from this mm. God-like something, <laughs> like, like star cluster. So I kind of love... I kind of love that. 
it's interesting too because this god galaxy thing basically you know bender says at one point you know i was god for a while <laughs> and, and the galaxy is like you were doing well until everyone died yeah <laughs> yeah i saw you did great until everyone died and it was this kind of it's this kind of funny thing and he and bender's like you do you think i did something wrong and the galaxy is like well right and wrong isn't it's just language yeah. <laughs> and so so it's these the way that we even think about our questions are hard for this entity to answer. Like, so it's an interesting thing where we have the only way that we have the ability to communicate is through language. And yet language is also a limiter. It's a limiting factor in our ability to communicate. Mm. The way that we ask questions may not even be the way that people are expecting to receive them or that God expects to communicate with us in terms mm. of how do we how do we imagine this? And so the other thing that's curious is that in the episode, the galaxy star cluster amazingness says, if you do it right, people aren't sure you've done anything at all. Mm. And I'm not sure about that in terms of um, our encounters with God. As Christians, we believe that God wants to be known. And in fact, wants to be known so much that God became incarnate and mm. dwelled on earth and showed us what it means to be faithful, to love one another, and to be present to one another, to give our attention and love to the most marginalized people among among us. And so, so this idea that um, when the beautiful star cluster galaxy thing says, if you do it right, people don't know if you've done anything at all. It's like, well, that's kind of sad, actually, because mm. God wants to be known. God mm. created us out of love and and um, wants us to know and love God. Mm. So it's this it's an interesting sort of sort of thing. But it's easy to be sympathetic too. I mean, the star clusters like um, you know, people pray to me so much at some point you just tune it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so it's this it's easy to be sympathetic to the way that the God star cluster thing is being is expressing it because you do imagine like if if God has any human limits what on earth is God doing with all of the many prayers that are being offered at any second at mm -hmm. any moment of the day so it's easy to be sympathetic to the sort of construction of God and also our Christian faith tells us that that is not what God is at all in terms of wanting to be known and wanting us to love one another as we've been loved. That was amazing. <laughs> you brought up the, if you do things right, no one will be sure if you've done anything at all. Yeah. I guess as, as a Christian, I'm kind of new around here. Um, I wasn't brought up in the, in the Episcopal faith. Me neither. Uh, and, and, and I'm like, and, and I'm liking the vibe around here. This is like a good vibe. <laughs> I like I like the vibe of the Episcopal Church. But me too. Um, <laughs> I think we can all agree uh, that the last four years have been a very turbulent turbulent time for the entire world. Have they? Just kidding. Yeah, I'm like I'm like what? Have you not been watching the news? I mean, <laughs> Sorry. Um, I mean, like riots, plagues, extreme weather. Yeah. It, 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 it's terrifying. This stuff is facts of life now. This isn't like, oh, wow, isn't that crazy that there was a riot so somewhere last week? Like, no, that was, that's the fifth riot we've had this month. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like, 
and when I bring that stuff up, it's like that's only from the last eighteen months. Yeah. And it's leading one to ask, where is God? Yeah. Right now, and why isn't He doing more to help us? And like you said in this episode, God says, if you if you're doing things right, no one will be sure you're doing you've done anything at all. You know, and and that begs and that brings leads me down the path the, the thought path of. If this is all part of the plan, what is he getting us ready for next? Well, that's a terrifying thought. <laughs> it's like God boot camp or something. Like, yeah, that's and, and and that's like that's like a thing. And 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 obviously, I'm not telling you to make everyone feel better and tell us exactly what's happening next or what you think is happening in the world. But what do you think about <laughs> the fact that, like, you know, if this is all part of the plan? What's going on? Okay, so first of all, I don't think that there is. Um, a plan. Okay. So it's funny that you say this. I actually just wrote my weekly about this this week, oh, <laughs> which man. is interesting. So um, no, there's still plenty of time to read it before I see you tomorrow. Great. <laughs> Great. So um, and the and the episode won't drop until September October. So <laughs> <laughs> so so this is really interesting because this isn't just a question now. This has been a question that many generations have asked when they encounter war or pandemic or pestilence or droughts and famine. And I mean, human disasters throughout history, people have always thought that they're living in the end times Mm. um, and and have been terrified. Like, this is the end times. This must be what we read about. And like, this is it. And and it's not it. Um, So so the first thing is that these things aren't new, but it's part of our human nature that we look for a reason. We want to know why is this happening? The suffering is terrible. Like why would a God who loves us allow all of the suffering to, to happen, to exist? And um, sometimes people will say something like, well, it's all part of God's plan or um, God has his reasons. And I'm like, uh, no, I, I am, firmly against that kind of theology. I do not believe that God needs us to suffer in order for some plan to unfold. And in particular, in my weekly, I wrote about um, my brother. I have a younger brother who experienced several surgeries as a kid. And while we were in the hospital with him, we saw a number of kids who were really suffering. And if I thought that it was God that was like, well, this is part of my plan that these kids have to suffer, that would be a terrible God. I would not want to believe in that God. Like, Mm -hmm. that would just be awful. So I don't believe that God needs any of that suffering to happen. But God also has given us free will. We have agency. And the decisions that we make matter. The things that we do matter. And if you think about the decisions that people make, and any given day, not just in terms of like, I mean, think about how many decisions I've made in a day that have impacted others. Mm-hmm. Like when I chose to leave the house at what I thought was appropriate, an appropriate time. And then I made you wait because I'm like, I'm in traffic because I did not plan for this. Like these decisions that we make don't just impact us. They impact other people. Mm-hmm. And if you manifest that across generations, so not just like our current moment in time, but across generations of people making decisions, the way that the world has unfolded is the consequence of the decisions that we've made largely. 
So there are terrible things that happen. God does not need any of it to happen. What I also believe is that God is the God of resurrection and mm. new life, and that there are places of darkness and light shines in those places of darkness when we least expect it. That the our God was crucified on Good Friday and on Easter was resurrected and surprised everybody. Like, this is our God. So God did not come into a perfect world. When Jesus came into the world, the world wasn't perfect. Mm. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, Jesus did not leave a perfect world behind. <laughs> like, but we've been given the blueprint, the instructions, the command to love one another. And if we live in that way, if we actually live our faith and love one another as God has loved us, the world would be immensely improved, immensely better if we were actually looking out for one another and caring for one another and loving one another. And it's not some kind of like pie in the sky romantic love of like, um, you know, like we drew a heart around Futurama because we both love Futurama so much. It's not like that kind of love. Yeah. It's a love that's actually seeking the best for each person. It's agape, unconditional love that always seeks the best for the other person. And if we lived our faith and lived with that kind of love and looked out for one another, terrible things might still happen and suffering might still happen, but the burden would be cut in half because we'd be sharing it together. And our joy would be doubled because we would be celebrating our joy together. I believe that it was St. Teresa that you know, said, God has no hands in the world but yours. God is not here now. We are here now with God and us, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And this is our call to love one another and to take care of one another. Mm. If we wonder why more isn't being done, well, why aren't we doing more? <laughs> like, like, you know, um, we have the tools, we know how to live in a way that, that shows love and care for one another. Um, and so God doesn't need the suffering to happen, these riots to happen, these terrible catastrophes to happen. But we can also look um, to our God with hope and with the expectation of resurrection and with the expectation of new life, you know, sometimes healing um, looks like your illness being resolved. And sometimes healing looks like learning how to live fully with your wounds still present. This is our Christian faith, the expectation of hope, the expectation of resurrection, the expectation that we are called to love one another as God has loved us, period. And learning how to do that in a way that's faithful. So it's interesting because when you describe that as like, what is God preparing us for next? I'm like, oh, that's terrifying to imagine <laughs> that like the worst is yet to come. Yeah. <laughs> what comes next is what we live into and, and the way that we take care of one another. Fantastic. Um, well, our time is just about up. Oh, no. We missed out on the other half of the episode. No, I talked too much. I'm so sorry it's because okay. I love it all. It's so wonderful. Trust me. This is, these, these, are the, these are the kind of interviews I dream about where I just kind of like underhand you the ball and you just hit it out of the park. <laughs> Taylor, I love this so much. And I'm so sorry we didn't get to talk about the other parts that are amazing. So all we so, can okay, tell okay, is okay, everybody hurry up and watch, watch this. it. Honorable mentions. Um, <laughs> Fry going to the church of... Uh, uh, oh, what was it called? Uh, the Church of... Uh, 
the amalgamated. He goes to the the first amalgamated church, where he meets with Father Changstein Al Gamal, and he asks them what the church can do for him. And the the Al Gamal says, "We can join together in prayer." And Fry says, "Is there anything useful we can do?" And the priest says, "No." no. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the whole episode ends with Bender coming down from the, from being sent back to Earth by the God entity, uh-huh. and he and they say like, oh, you know, the the monks that we locked in the closet will get out on their own, and the, the God will help them get out. And Bender says, no, God doesn't do jack. We need to help them. Right. And which he, is a Bender way of saying we are God's hands. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, what are your final thoughts on the episode in general? is terrible um because there's so much left to say i will say that prayer um the question of prayer like is there anything useful we can do it's <laughs> like no um so i will say a couple of things about that quickly first of all prayer changes the prayer if you've ever tried to pray for somebody that you really don't like you will know what i mean um and when I was in seminary, I was experiencing this actually. And my mm. spiritual director was like, how are you praying for this person that you don't like? And I was like, I don't want to pray for this person. <laughs> I'm savage. Are you serious? Tanya the savage. I was like, oh my gosh. And then, and then I'm like, how often am I supposed to pray for him? And then I was like, oh, I know the answer to this already 70 times, seven times. <laughs> like, I'm, like, how often do I have to forgive? How often am I supposed to pray? And so I did start to pray for this person that I was having real trouble with, and it changed me. It changed Mm -hmm. the way that I encountered them because I saw them as I prayed for them, as I prayed for their family, as I prayed for good things to happen to them. I saw them as a human being instead of just the caricature of the problem that I was having with that person. And so the prayer changed me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the first thing. And then I will also say that it's interesting because, okay, Fry is calling out, like, Bender, where are you? Bender, where Mm. are you? He's calling out from the monastery. Mm. And it is the God entity that hears that Mm. and then sends Bender back. And it is as though there are moments where our prayer connects. There There is a connectivity in prayer. It brings us together. It reminds us who we are. It reminds us that we're in this together. And prayer is this... Prayer is this amazing thing. It reminds us who we are. It reminds us that we're in this together. It reminds us that we're called to look out for one another. And there are times when it does change things, that there are, that there are differences in the way that we interact with one another because we've been praying with, for, with and for one another. Wonderful. And it is the God entity when he... So Fry calls out, <laughs> and Bender, Bender, and that's when Bender's sent back. Tanya, it was wonderful to have you. Um, I know it says here, Prug Tanya Socials, but she doesn't have any. So I'll just ask. Um, if anybody wants to talk to you on a Sunday or, or wants to see you and talk to you about this episode on Sunday, where should they go? So St. Luke's in East Greenwich is where I hang out every Sunday. We have services at 745 for those who um, are early risers, unlike myself. <laughs> we have services at 1015 and we'd love to see you. And you can always email me. I'm so old school. I feel very old saying this. Email me at Tanya at stlukeseg.org. All right. And we'll have that. We'll have the address in the show notes. Um, I never feel more old than I'm like, I have no socials to plug. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Goodbye, everybody. Oh. Oh, mm-hmm.
Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology, a ministry of St. John's Cathedral in Rhode Island. We would like to thank our producers, Mo Akande, Ivy Swinsky, and Taylor Wilkie. Special thanks to Mo Akande and David Hines for the Season 3 music, and our sponsors, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias.